Hi, welcome back to Honor of Kings. This is episode 21. This week, we're going to be going from the Apocalypse of Abraham over into 2nd Esdras and 2nd Baruch, because we'll be comparing the actual end-time prophecies as they're broken down into different parts. We're going to be looking at Revelation and Daniel and trying to match all these up and truly test these apocryphal books as it relates to us in the end times and the return of our Messiah. It's going to be a fascinating, fascinating episode. Stick with us. Hi, welcome back to Honor of Kings. I'm Sean Griffin, and I'm accompanied today by, as always, my incredible co-host from Canada. Ken Heidebrecht. Shalom, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for joining us on our, Sean, last episode of season one. Is it really true? This is our last episode, man. It's been a wild ride this year, and I'm I'm, I'm so excited for the plans I have for season two, because we're just going to keep hitting it as hard as possible. But this week, guys, we have a special guest with us, and I'm excited to introduce uh, to the Honor of Kings family here on Kingdom in Context. And this is Adam Fink from Parable of the Vineyard. What's up, Adam? Hey, Shalom, everyone. Hope you all are doing well. I'm super excited to be on this. Really am. There's a lot of me to go over today. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you here. And uh, hats off to you for joining us on this particular episode because we're going to get into some fun prophecies. And this particular one, I hope, can be beneficial to folks to bring hope and not despair. Because as always, we know that our Father's words are to give us hope. And even if it's our father telling us about possible bad things that may happen in the future, but it's so that we can be prepared and aware and, uh, and spread the hope of the end of the story, which is the return of Messiah and peace on earth. So you guys, you guys ready to get into it? Ready. I'm ready. Oh, and real quick, guys, it, if you're, if this is, if your first time never uh, find kingdom in context, what the purpose of this show here is honor of Kings. And our idea is that we're testing the apocryphal books. Yeah, these are some of the books that used to be in our American canon. Some of them are still in other canons around the world. And uh, some of them have just been in canons throughout time, but were taken out. And so we've decided to take a look at these books and hold them up to the American canon of 66 and test them line by line and try to see what's in them. Does it hold up or does it not? And you get to watch us do that. So that's our goal for this show. And as I'll, in the link below, there's going to be um, just links to both of these gentlemen's channels. Because Ken has his own channel, it's called Hanging on His Words, and of course Adam has his channel. It's it's called Parable of the Vineyard, and uh, and there's going to be a link in the description there if you want to get your your awesome black Honor of Kings hoodie that we just came out with recently. So <laughs> that's a way for you to support the channel and the efforts. Exactly, Sean. I was just going to say it's winter time. It's really cold here in Canada. So for you Canadians, um, you know, support some brethren there and and stay warm while watching some good some good stuff. Learn the scriptures in your while wearing your honor of kings memorabilia. It'll be good. <laughs> I might have to check out said uh, hoodie because yeah, 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 we're here too. <laughs> we'll try to hook you up with the hoodie. Um, the, our idea is, you know, basically, there's, you know, a lot of channels they they um, encourage uh, Patreon, PayPal, and you know, to be to receive donations to keep the channels going. And we have those options in the links below as well. But we'd also just thought we'd do some t-shirts and hoodies because that way people can actually get something out of it in addition to the awesome teachings. They can actually have some some merch to wear around that they might enjoy and snuggle up in while they watch our teachings. So we're excited about it. Just an easy way to support us. And uh, but without further ado, yeah, yeah, Sean, I um I got to say, brother, these couple books that we're going to be broaching on this, I guess I could call it a trialogue. Now that we got Adam here, 
it's not just you and I today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would have been really nice to have these in our canon all throughout my life because I've just discovered the last couple of years that, you know, these books like Second Ezra, Second Baruch, Apocalypse of Abraham, they contain integral component pieces for what we call end times prophecy, right? To try to understand these latter days that we're living in. And I would say without some of these, Revelation and Daniel are, are rather hard to interpret properly, brother. hundred percent agree. Yeah. If I'd have had, oh my goodness, if I'd have had the Apocalypse of Abraham that we've just been reviewing for the last few weeks and the, and Baruch, um, I, it probably, I probably could have understood the old Testament like, like years ago, you know, instead of all, I mean, I, under, I feel like I understand it really well now, but through lots and lots of study, <laughs> Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't, I don't knock that because obviously the father uses that, you know, for due diligence. But I mean, I would have had a shortcut basically is what I'm saying years ago to understanding this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the second Ezra's, I mean, it says right there nearing the end of the book that there is a particular vision that gets interpreted only in the book of Ezra that we see in the book of Daniel that Daniel doesn't get an interpretation of. Right. So without this book, we have missing information and we need to rely on his words that he wrote down pertaining to this interpretation of said vision. It's uh, I agree. It's like a, it's like another key to decipher it. And the wording on that is so particular. It says, you know, this is the same vision I gave to your brother, Daniel, but not in the same, not in the way I showed it to him. Like, so I'm showing you more than I showed Daniel. And it's like, man, you're right. If these books were, would have just been kept in, but you know, at the same time we have to realize that it, this nothing has gone has gotten past the most high. He he's even said in Second Ezra 14 that you know some of these books are going to be kept hidden and some of these are some are for public. And the same thing as we get from that same scene in chapter 14 that he told Moses the same thing. Some of these books are going to be for public and some are going to be you know hidden. And so which is I love is the name of your show. It's the honor of kings to search out the matters that the most high has has hidden. It's his glory, you know, to do so. So anyways, it's just every, that just shows me that everything has gone down the way it's supposed to. Um, but uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of these books got removed. I think the Ezra uh, was just as recently as the 1880s, uh, if not, if, if not even, you know, earlier than that or sooner than that. But it's just, yeah, and I like to make the joke, you know, that if if this were the Civil War and you're a soldier on the battlefield and you're clinging to your to a Bible for hope and faith because you're scared kid during the Civil War. You probably would have had a lot of these books in here that we're testing. Yeah, in that I, Bible. I like. Uh, I like. Uh, I got this from um, from Zach Bauer the other day, and it, it just it kind of puts things in perspective. You know, when this country was established, when 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 the Pilgrims came over and the Puritans came over, the books they were reading had all these books. You know, the 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 fifteen twenty, the fifteen ninety nine uh, Geneva Bibles had all these books in them. They did, most of them didn't bring over the, uh, the 1611 King James because that was, uh, you know, they were trying to flee away from the, the church of England kind of stuff. But uh, the Geneva Bibles had these too. So it's like the, the, the founding father of this country, whether it's all a good thing or not, regardless, the country that we're in, it was, it was established. They, they were reading these books and now they, they got yanked, you know, just a couple hundred years ago. So anyways, I think Ken, I think we actually talked about what Adam is talking about a few weeks ago um, where I made the joke about the Puritans having those four or five hour church services. Yeah. And, uh, and it had, they had all these books in there, which makes so much sense of the entire story. Mm -hmm. I could sit for four or five hours in a church service and not get bored and just get excited and more excited and more energized. You know what I mean? Because unfortunately what we see in some of our modern societies is that you get a couple of verses out of context and then like an hour's worth of inspirational speeching 
and the people are ready to go. They're ready to go get some food, you know? Yeah, they're looking at their timepiece on the wrist the entire time. And it's, mm -hmm. I understand it. I was there in that time of my life too, right? And it's nothing against these people that were teaching and had the, the heart to do it. It's just, you know, they fell privy to the unfortunate indoctrination and uh, the narrative, I guess, of removing these types of books, right? Which would have helped them possibly keep their um, congregation a little more lively during these, uh, you know, times they met at church. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a slam against the actual ministers. They're the ones sacrificing and, you know, dedicating their lives to this, but they've been at a disadvantage having to piece together so much confusion that they only themselves don't even quite grasp at all times, yeah. you know, and that's because I, I went to the Bible college. I saw the confusion from the actual directors and teachers and professors of the Bible college and in classes going over different theories because they didn't understand the text and didn't have a definitive answer. You know, and I and there's so many of these apocryphal books. Had they had those at their disposal, they could have had a definitive answer. Yeah, I agree. And it fully just it fully just reveals everything. And if nothing else, you know, we're told obedience, you know, to be chastened. But when you read these books, it becomes so clear what that actually looks like. Uh, Sean, you and I reread that verse the other night um, on Friday. Second Baruch th uh, 32 1. You know, it's very clear language. It says, if you sow in your heart the fruits of Torah, it will protect you in the time in which the, my, the creator will shake the entire creation. Um, very clear stuff. Very, very clear. Uh, in um, in Second Ezra uh, 15, I think it's 23 through 28, it says, you know, it's 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 which really interesting. It's the same scene we see in Matthew 7 22 through 23, where Yeshua says, I, you know, away from me. I never knew you, you workers of, of iniquity. You see the exact same thing in Esdras, but it's very clear. And it shows, you know, basically what happens for those that keep his commandments. There's there's something there. Those that aren't keeping his commandments are the doors shut. They're they're left in tribulation. It's it's very clear. So it's like these things are so amazing when you get these nuggets from from these books. It's I find myself just I don't know, just fully fully engrossed in these books because they're just yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, it definitely leaves you awestruck. And it, it, for me, when we hear Yeshua say that the truth sets us free and we consider that all, all his word, right, the full scope of his hurt word, some pieces that have been removed, that'll set us free as well, right? And so while certain doctrines have truth to them that are freeing in a way, that's not the full capacity of what the truth and the freedom is, right? So that's why I, I love these books is because they they widen and broaden the scope of what the truth is and it sets us free, it liberates our minds and it gives us just a zeal and a passion for Yahweh's word and, and the desire to be in covenant with him now, as you said, to obey his Torah, his commandments and just understand what the will of God is in our lives and what our, what our purpose here on earth is for, right? So it's amazing. Right, which I think is an Enoch, isn't it? I mean, you don't really, I don't know if you get the whole... It's such a it's such a small part in Enoch, but it says man wasn't created for you know all these different things. So like so like in the in today today's day and age, you know human rights is like the the big thing, right? Well, it's not about that. It's about we were what we were created for. We were created to praise and worship our heavenly Father. I mean that's like literally I think as simple as it got. It's you guys know Enoch better than I do. It's somewhere in there, but it just literally says that's what we were created for. So throw all the human rights out the window. It doesn't matter. That's not what we were created for. We were created to praise our heavenly Father and worship Him. Period. That's it. I think you're talking about the part where the angels are being reprimanded because they were teaching mankind um, certain corruptions of writing. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that man was not created for that. 
they were not created to have their faith based upon having to depend on the writings of books, right, right. but they were to have it just simply by under, being having in the presence of the father, which was the whole point of Adam and Eve being in the garden with him originally. Right. So, whereas now, since we're removed from his presence in that internal sanctuary, we have to remind ourselves through the washing of the water of the word, through his word given to us and discipline our hearts and through instruction and discipleship. And that's why it is a, a process because that's not what was originally intended. You know, right. it wasn't supposed to be this, the, the level of difficulty that we experience. And I'm not saying that's difficult, but it's a lot easier if you're just standing next to the father. <laughs> All right. Imagine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what we're so, going to have yeah. one day, right? That's the, that's the blessed hope we're looking for, right? Brothers is yes. we will be in his presence and, and we will be so in a body that is incorruptible and can actually withstand the, the holy presence of our father without dying. So we're getting back to that boys. Amen. Well, I'm excited. Speaking of, um, avoiding destruction let's read about some destruction <laughs> yeah so guys we're uh to the viewer we appreciate you um we're excited to get, get into this we're gonna get into the second ezra second baruch and and but what we're the reason why we're transitioning from these books if you you've seen our last episodes in the past three or four episodes we were going over the apocalypse of abraham and what led us there was the apocalypse of baruch right because the we saw these elements and these stories that were tying together of what these prophets were being shown through the father, through his angels. And one of the things that led us into the apocalypse of Abraham was this idea of what Abraham was actually shown among the portions of the victims in his sacrifice moment in Genesis 15. He was shown the temple. He was shown the future kingdom of God. He was shown the Messiah, both first and second coming. He was shown the betrayal of the Messiah, all these big pieces that we reviewed in the last few episodes. And now we get into some little wording in the apocalypse of Abraham talks about some of the breakdowns of prophecy and judgment that happens in the last days that we also are going to be paralleling with second Ezra and also the apocalypse of Baruch. And so real quick, um, I'm, we'll just go to the apocalypse of Abraham and we'll read over those um, again, just to kind of refresh folks of what, what we're branching off of before the age of the righteous begins to grow. My judgment shall come upon the lawless peoples through the people of your seed who have been separated unto me. And in those days, I will bring upon all creatures of the earth ten plagues through misfortune and disease and sign of their grief. And this shall be brought upon the generations of men on account of the provocation and the corruption of mankind, whereby they provoke me. And then shall righteous men of your seed survive in the number which is kept secret by me and will hasten the coming of the glory of my name to that place prepared beforehand for them, which you saw devastated in the picture. And they shall live and be established by sacrifices of righteousness in the age of the righteous. And they shall rejoice in me continually and receive those who return to me in repentance. For great shall be the inner torment of those who have been despitefully used, excuse me, for those who have despitefully used them in this world as they observe the honor placed upon my own in the day of glory. See, Abraham, what you have seen and hear what you have heard and take knowledge of all that you've come to know. Go to your heritage and behold, I am with you until the end of the age. And but while he was still speaking to me, I found myself once again upon the earth. And I said, oh, eternal one, I'm no longer in the glory, which is on high. And there is one matter which my soul longs to know and understand, which has not been revealed to me. And he said to me, what your heart desired, I will tell you, because you have sought to see the ten plagues, which I have prepared for the godless nations, which have been predetermined at the passing over of the twelfth hour of the age of the earth. Hear therefore what I divulge, and so shall it come to pass. The first is the distressing pain of sickness. The second, conflagration of many cities. The third, the destruction and pestilence of the animals. The fourth, hunger of the whole world and its people. The fifth, by destruction among its rulers. 
by earthquake and the sword. The sixth, the multiplication of hail and snow. The seventh, wild beasts will be their grave. The eighth, hunger and pestilence will alternate with destruction. The ninth, punishment by the sword and flight and distress. And the tenth, thunder and voices and destructive earthquakes. And then I will sound the trumpet out of the air, and I will send my elect one, having in him all my power in one measure. And he shall summon my despised people from all nations, and I will send fire upon those who have insulted them and who have ruled over them in this age. And I will give those who have covered me with mockery to the scorn of the coming age, and I have prepared for them to be food for the fire of Hades and perpetual flight through the air and the underworld. For they shall see the righteousness of the Creator in those whom he now honors, and they shall be ashamed. For I hoped that they would come to me in repentance, rather than loving strange gods. But they forsook the mighty Lord, and went the way that they willed to go. Okay, that's that's a lot going on there, brothers. <laughs> um, I think it was good to review that, though, because uh, in my opinion, Sean, here, what, what we have is a summation, essentially, of the father telling Abraham that in this 12th hour of the age, and I believe it's chapters earlier in the same book, it tells us that one age is a hundred years. Mm-hmm. There's 12 yeah. of them. So he's referring to this last age, which is the 12th hour of the age as being a hundred year period in the last days where within this hundred year period, we have these 10 plagues going on. Right. That's right. Do, do you got, do you guys believe that when in revelation, it says that these Kings will reign with the beast one hour. Do you believe that that's the same, um, uh, measure of time at which an hour being 100 years that's a good question that's what we're trying to determine here brother because we're going to see different time denominations all throughout these prophetic books which we have to obviously keep in mind as we go along but i think this is kind of one of the overarching ones to consider is that we have this last hour of the 12 ages which is a hundred year period in these last days and we got the 10 plagues within them so from there, I guess we can jump into either Second Baruch or Second Ezra's and talk about the t- the twelve hours of the divided times there, or the twelve black waters, or what. What I, I know, I know that the the show is definitely not about pinpointing a time or whatnot. But I think because I think we all know that we're in the end days. What when exactly that is, you know, whether it's next week, next year, uh, you know, next generation, you know, we don't know. But we're we're close. What, what I think is really interesting, where it does say that, um. You know these kings would reign with the beast for an hour. You know I do I do think it, I do find it interesting that you look at the League of Nations, United Nations. Well, their beginning was in 1920, um, and I just think that you know if if that hundred years is is uh, close to what is written here in the Apocalypse of Abraham being a hundred years, you know obviously that puts us at uh, 2020, which is pretty uh, pretty close to with everything that we see going on in the world. So just, it's, it's something that just popped in my mind. I literally just started studying the apocalypse of Abraham just a couple of days ago, as you guys told me we we're going to study this. And that was the first thing that popped in my mind, but obviously I have no idea if that's close to the truth or not, but something just to consider at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> well said Adam. And on top of this, uh, I don't know where you guys stand with regards to this, but we have, obviously we have the four beasts that Daniel refers to in his book and the last beast, I believe there's 10 Kings. And then an 11th king that comes in between, I think, like the small horn with the eyes. Mm-hmm. It subdues three of those kings, which come from that fourth beast or kingdom. So we have to consider all these different things on top of these time age denominations as well. So it can be really, really confusing. I, I feel it's definitely going to be necessary to try to, if we end up tackling this and get some minds together, try to tackle this, we could do like a visual 
that always helps me is, is, is seeing visually on a timeline all the different things, right? In, in subcategories and categories. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually, and as we go, guys, and I'll edit this little part out here, but um, Adam, as we do this, um, I actually am taking notes most of the time on the verses that we're actually referencing and cross-referencing in our discussion mm -hmm. so that I can put them on the screen after editing. Okay. So that people can follow along. And so that's why if you, if I'm not responding immediately, it's because I'm taking notes like, Oh, no worries. Um, so I can, so I don't have to go through the video a whole nother time to grab all these verses again. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cause I just don't have enough personal time to do that yeah. <laughs> it take forever. Um, what verse was that in Daniel that you're referencing there? Was it Daniel chapter nine or, uh, chapter seven? I think it was seven. I'll be going, I think we'll be talking about seven and nine cause nine, um, nine talks about the 70 weeks what is also interesting uh if if this if we're off if this is editing time uh, i don't know it's up to you but what's really interesting also what i found really interesting about the 12 hours um of the apocalypse of abraham which would equate to what 1200 years is that right no yeah where oh, yeah. was or was my thought process on that no, never mind. Just for, for just no, Adam, you're right. I think it, it is. It's 12 hours and an hour is 100 years. So that would be 1200 years. But I think Sean and I, when we discussed, I don't know if it was our last episode or one before, um, those those 100 year time periods, I think, are probably split up. They're not exactly in yeah. line with each other. It's not like a full 1200 years all in one. It's like split 100 time year periods. You know what I mean? Well, I, I totally messed up with my timing. Obviously, we're we're twenty. Um, it would be twenty two hundred years, roughly, from the time of the Roman Empire starting. Because even when um, when when um, the vision Ezra had, you know, it said the eagle that you saw is even hastening to come. Um, yeah. When did when did Rome really take on the scene? Was it? I mean, was it right before the time of the Maccabees? When was it roughly? 300 yeah, BC, I think it was BC around the time yeah. of the Maccabees for sure. Yeah. So yeah, my math was off. I was thinking, oh yeah, you know, 1200 years, it's actually 2200 years. Um, and, and, and really the Roman empire really has not fallen since then. Have they, they've just, they rebranded, rebranded. Right. Exactly. Um, so, but that, like I said, it doesn't match up 1200 years. It's actually 2200 years. So my, my thought process was wrong on that. No, that's, but that's what we're doing is having us weed through this concept and figure out, because he's clearly, as Baruch and Ezra are showing us, that these times are divided up. And then when it starts describing these times, you're like, well, wait, they don't seem to be all synchronized one after, or sequential. They don't seem to be sequential. Which we should be used to. I mean, that happened with the, the weeks of Daniel's prophecy. It was yeah. a, there was a certain amount of weeks and then a, then a pause. And then, it, you know, then that last week picks back up. But um, so, yeah, okay, so you guys want as we just looked in the Apocalypse of Abraham, and we got we got this unique concept of the Father introducing these ten plagues that's going to befall the earth before the Messiah returns. And I think you and I, Adam, you probably agree the same. That trumpet that's blown there in Apocalypse of Abraham, chapter thirty, and then he says, "I will send my my elect one." Mm -hmm. You know, and then then he that's when we have the great regathering. This is the moment where you know they're protected, and then all these plagues are coming on the earth, and he's going to you know, literally send down fire. And, and what, what I would suggest guys that is in that moment is he's talking about Matthew 13, where verses about, I think 42 through 49, where the angels are coming down to burn everything. Um, that is preparing the way for the, the new Jerusalem, the, the, the final sanctuary to sit down. And that's why they have to burn everything within that territory and get it out of the way. Right. And this is something I've talked about previously about the, in the Greek and, and 
uh, Matthew 13, 49, where it says the angels come and separate the wicked from the righteous. Well, that word for separate in the Greek there is actually a word that means to cordon off a, an actual area. Yeah, so that's that crazy. It's pretty wild. So it's a very specific type of separating. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, they're they're definitely trying to, you know, establish some sort of a foundation for for God's city to, to come down and sit upon where it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's something that I discuss quite a bit in my Ezekiel thirty six video, and a lot of people don't realize that. But that land needs to be cleansed uh, yeah. thoroughly by fire before you know, before uh, what we're waiting for comes down. <laughs> Amen, brother. Absolutely. Um, Ken or Adam, do either one of you guys want to read the the second Ezra chapters? They're pretty short. Ooh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll volunteer for the Ezra portion. Okay, Second uh, Ezra chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. For the age is divided into 12 parts, and nine of its parts have already passed, as well as half of the tenth part. So two of its parts remain besides half of the tenth part. Now let's jump over to Second Baruch, chapters 25 through 28. And he answered and said unto me, You too shall be preserved till that time, till that sign which the Most High will work for the inhabitants of the earth in the end days. This, therefore, shall be the sign, when a stupor shall seize the inhabitants of the earth, and they shall fall into many tribulations, and again, when they shall fall into great torments. And it will come to pass, when they say in their thoughts, by reason of their much tribulation, the Mighty One doth no longer remember the earth. Yes, it will come to pass, when they abandon hope, that the time will then awake. And I answered and said, Will that tribulation which is to be I'm sorry, will that tribulation which is to be continue a long time, and will that necessity embrace many years? And he answered and said unto me, Into twelve parts is that time divided, and each one of them is reserved for that which is appointed for it. In the first part there shall be the beginning of commotions, and in the second part there shall be the slayings of the great ones, and in the third part shall the fall of many by death. And in the fourth part, the sending of the sword. And in the fifth part, famine and withholding of rain. And in the sixth part, earthquakes and terrors. Eighth part, I'm sorry, the seventh part is missing. And in the eighth part, a multitude of specters and attacks of the Shadim. And in the ninth part, the fall of fire. And in the tenth part, rapine or rape and much oppression. And in the eleventh part, wickedness and unchastity. And in the twelfth part, confusion from the mingling together of all those things aforesaid. For these parts of that time are reserved and shall be mingled one with another and minister one to another. For some shall leave out some of their own and receive in its stead from others, and some complete their own and that of others, so that those may not understand who are upon the earth that in those days that this is the consummation of the times. Nevertheless, Whoever understands shall then be wise. For the measure and reckoning of that time are two parts, a week of seven weeks. And I answered and said, It is good for a man to come and behold, but it is better that he should not come lest he fall. But I will say this also, Will he who is incorruptible despise those things which are corruptible? And whatever befalls in the case of those things which are corruptible, so that he might look only to those things which are not corruptible. But if, O Lord, 
those things shall assuredly come to pass, which you have foretold to me. So do you show this also unto me, if indeed I have found grace in your sight? Is it in one place or is it, I'm sorry, is it in one place or in one of the parts of the earth that those things are come to pass? Or will the whole earth experience them? Yeah, and just for the viewers, um, maybe curiosity, the answer is in the following chapter, and, and Yahweh tells them it's for the entire earth during that time. But, um, okay, brothers, Adam, thank you for reading that. There's a there's a lot to There's a lot. No, I, I totally forgot while I was reading this, I totally forgot the seventh part was just left out. I, I don't know if it's just this version. Um, I, I think it's also the same in the Sefer um, and a few other versions. I, I don't know that it's really a, a big point to, to um, you know, uh, zone in on but do you find anything interesting about that yeah it seems really um interesting that it would be left out i don't know why that would be but yeah oh sean you're on mute there brother sorry guys ken is this what we were speculating a few weeks ago the apocalypse of abraham where it gives off the 10 plagues and it lists the seventh one and it says it's uh their death will be by wild beasts and we were thinking that's possibly revelation 13 the beasts of the earth yes that's a good point that's a really good point actually because they they go and persecute and kill people and start beheading people yeah yeah that's right man so i'm wondering what's, if that has a tie-in yeah it possibly could man but and, just oh go ahead adam well i'll just say which which what's interesting about this is you know the order of these things like i said before the order of what's written here in baruch is a little bit different than the order of what's written in the apocalypse of abraham which is a little bit difference in order of um what we see in revelation but it's like the same things just in a little bit different order but nevertheless what i think is really interesting is you know i don't know when it talks about these different things that are happening is that through a long time period over you know hundreds if not thousands of years or is this all talking about in that last week of 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 years which is you know se uh, seven years what, what do you guys what do you guys subscribe to on that i'm, I'm just curious because i i have my my opinion is that we're we're so far at the end that we're in the the 12th part which is a mingling of all this because we literally see a little bit of all this right now but that's just my opinion i could be very wrong on that yeah yeah um in my understanding, after what you just read there, um, the 12 parts that are divided, um, and then it lists those 12, excluding obviously the number seven there, I see that as um, the answer to the, to when those things are, are within that two, three and a half year time okay. period of seven weeks. So all, the, and all that is contained within the hundred years of the 12th age of the apocalypse of Abraham. This is what I mean. It's like we get this grand kind of category and then it gets split down, right? We're really kind of honing in on, right. On things here. But, um, yeah, cause we know revelation tells us that the, the Apollyon, when he comes out, he has 42 months. That's the, that's the only time he's given. Right. And so if that's one part of a week, which, you know, week being seven years, is how that's this biblical terminology of a week is being used. And, and within that, within that time period, we, we possibly have these 12 parts and that's kind of what you're asking. I think Adam is, are we talking about, is it the last seven years leading up to the return of the Messiah? These 12 parts are broken into. And, and I would agree with you. I, I would think that it seems to point that way, even though some of these we see shadows of or parallels of in lesser, in lesser amounts, if I could put it like that, that's mm -hmm. already happening on the earth. 
but it seems to say, as in uh, you read in, in Second Baruch chapter twenty-seven, um, in the eleventh or the twelfth part was the the confusion from the mingling together of all of those things after said. So it's like they're all happening at once, right? And, um, and I think that's fascinating because you've got a qualifier in there, which was the eighth part, and that was the multitude of specters and the attacks of the Shadim. Yeah, where we we kind of theorize that that's that's Revelation nine with all these things that come up out of the pit with the polyon, uh, yeah, and they yeah. go around. Yeah, and no, so that I'm sorry, I'm sorry. to me that puts us in that last forty two month qualifier of time. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. It does, you know, because on, on one part I was thinking, you know, the attacks of, of the, the demons and specters, you know, I'm thinking the powers and principalities, I'm thinking about spiritual attacks. It's obviously rampant right now already, but yeah, you're right. I think that's like a literal, like we're, they're going to be manifested and, and people are going to see horrors and be uh, like, was it in Jeremiah 30 or 31? It's like, why is everybody, every man have his hands on his loins like a pregnant woman, you know? I mean, they're just freaked out. I mean, oh my goodness. So yeah, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, I believe that is in Jeremiah 30. Um, that's awesome, really. And yeah, I think uh, what's interesting to me is this verse in Second um, Baruch 27. I think it was in verse three, where it said, um, "Where it said there be slains of the great ones." Yeah, what do you perceive the great ones as? Is, is that is that know. Uh, you know is that like saints? Saints, the great ones, or is this? The, uh, the, you know, because this be great ones like, you know, Genesis 6, the mighty men of old, of renown, uh, which which great ones is that, you know? Yeah, that's the, this is one of those moments, like uh, I was saying on the show the other night, where I wish we had the depth of scholarship into the Hebrew words behind these texts, right. like we do the regular canon, because I would love to look up that word. I would too. Yeah, concordances and lexicons are, are definitely something that we would need to probably better understand what it is that these things are talking about but um interesting nonetheless yeah so yeah that's interesting sean um if the attacks of the specters and the shedaim is the eighth part and and that could be possibly what we're talking about in revelation 9 with um those 200 million chimeric entities that come out of the bottomless pit with abad and, and apollyon um that would kick off the 42 month period i think it's safe to say that we're not yet in the eighth part until that happens right if that's yeah. assuming that that's what that means you guys can help me out here i'm a, I'm a little weaker on second baruch as well um where is it in second baruch that it talks about it, it talks about how it almost sounds like the wording says that we will see the reappearing of those that had died before before um things start happening on the earth um i, I can't are remember you referring to second baruch 49 50 where it's talking about the resurrection where people will see is that what you're talking about? Where they're going to see like people come out of their graves, type thing, and yeah, and this might be bad on my timing. Um, it just it just reminded me of this. Um, yeah, maybe I've got that wrong. Uh, no, I mean it, that could easily happen during these twelve parts. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. That might have some sort of connection in here. And I I, I think that's what we read in the Apocalypse of Abraham in, in chapter thirty, where it says that he, the trumpet's blown. And then he gathers, that's the resurrection in our opinion. It's this moment where he's gathering everybody because he's resurrected them now. And the angels are sent out to gather the wheat into the barn in Matthew 13 before the tares are burned. And I know that I know that the, the introduction of the tares in Matthew 13 comes first. But when we put everything in the context of the descriptions, you see that they're all gathered for battle against the Lord. But the wheat mm -hmm. are not battling them. They're being protected in the right. barn. Right. Which is Isaiah 26, 20. So, yeah, this is what I was talking about. It's You're right. Um 
you're right, Ken, it's uh, chapter 50 in Second Baruch. So let me just read this real quick. Uh, hear Baruch this word and write in remembrance of your heart all that you shall learn. For the earth shall then assuredly restore the dead, which it now receives in order to, pre to preserve them. It shall make no change in their form, which that's interesting, but as it has received, so it shall restore them. And as I delivered them unto it, so also shall it raise them. So, you know, you can think of some of the really gruesome deaths throughout the years. And I mean, that's going to be really interesting for then it will be necessary to show the living that the dead have come to life again. And those who have departed have returned again. And it shall come to pass when they have severally recognized those whom they now know, then judgment shall grow strong, and those things which were before, uh, which before were spoken, shall come. So that's why I was thinking that maybe this really ties into all that. And wow, what what horrific vision, visions that will be if they come back as they were delivered into Sheol. I mean, think about it. You, um, I, I hate referencing uh, secular movies, but you, you think I think of the uh, the movie Beetlejuice. You know, how people were like like the same the same state that they had like gone to the dead. Like they, they come back in that way. I'm just like people like with their ha half their head blown off and stuff. I mean, I don't know. It just, I can only imagine what kind of horrific, horrific scene that would be. And then it says when these things happen, then shall grow strong or shall the judgment shall grow strong. And I, I don't think that's talking about the final, final judgment day. I think that's, you know, some of the judgments upon the earth, what we're seeing here. Yeah. I, um, I actually see that chapter as like the way it sowed them into Sheol and them coming back is essentially in my, in my understanding, it just means that as we are men right now and we go to Sheol, we're going to rise and have the same appearance as man. I don't see us coming back as like <laughs> blowing off heads and stuff. <laughs> That's I hope I'm, not. I, I know. I'm just reading it for what it is. And I'm like, man, can you just imagine? Um, oh man. Well, I think about anyone that's like burned with fire and burned to ashes, you know, it's like it, some, some kind of form has to come back. You can't yeah, just you're right. You're right. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it, the way it's worded. It's very interesting. If the people get to see people that they know are dead raised again, that's going to be to me that that could be that confusion that it says that we, you read about that comes upon people. Um, but that's, that's kind of a little bit of conjecture because I think it applies to the entire time period where all these judgments are being mingled together and right. people don't know what, they don't know how to handle it because there's so much, hence the time of testing that revelation two calls it right. A time of testing that's coming up on the whole earth right? where yeah. they're, they're all just, um, they don't know what to do. You know, they're freaking out. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, but Adam, I agree that that, um, that particular chapter in, in uh, Second Baruch there lines up with the Apocalypse chapter about the seventh trumpet and those being risen. I think mm -hmm. that's precisely. And, and uh, you see the same in Daniel. It says, you know, yeah. it says many. It doesn't say all. It says many uh, will be uh, will be what raised, you know, uh, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. And shame. Yeah, Daniel 12, 1 through 3. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's and it also, you know, it also shows, you know, it also shows that deliverance for for his people you know and, and does that mean necessarily deliverance from the wrath of apollyon no but definitely deliverance from these judgments that are coming upon the earth the protection in that way yeah i'm so glad you said that brother that's that's kind of the distinction that i i struggled to to get a lot of other believers to understand is that these end time prophecies the wrath of the lamb is not meant for believers the wrath of the lamb when he actually comes back and and does things that's for the wicked the godless that's for those who are literally trying to attack him 
but all these judgments that lead up to his appearing and his wrath is at his appearing. But there's all these other things going on as we've been just dissecting that lead up to his appearing. And those are, those are bad too. Don't get me wrong. Right. right. But those right. are enacted. And as a result of the enemy trying to make war against, you know, the, those who have the testimony of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. That's right. You know, yeah. So this, which this is why in Revelation 11, it talks about how now is the kingdom of, of our Lord come. And then it goes on to further description. He's going to come to reward the saints and also to destroy those who are destroying the earth. Which um, speaking of which, you know, keeping the commandments, you know, again, one thing that gets very, very cleared up in the Apocrypha is the importance of keeping the commandments. And, and it's not just, you know, to save our skin, you know, but it does show us that there is that protection. I just want to read this, this part real quick in second Ezra 15. Um, this is chapter, or chapter 15 verses 23 through 27. Uh, and a fire will go forth from his wrath and will consume the foundations of the earth and the sinners like straw that is kindled. Woe to those who sin and do not observe my commandments, says the Lord. I will not spare them. And this is that same scene we see in, in, in Matthew 7, uh, 23 through 22 through, I'm sorry, 22 through 23. Depart, you faithless children. Do not pollute my sanctuary, for the Lord knows all who transgress against him. Therefore, he will hand them over to death and slaughter. For now, this is interesting. For now, calamities have come upon the whole earth, and you shall remain in them, for God will not deliver you because you have sinned against him. So let us reason with one another. What happens for someone that is keeping the commandments? You know, I mean, it just it seems pretty simple to me. Yeah. Yeah. For those who are in covenant and uh, keeping his commandments, who are alive somehow during that two month reign, they get right. to change in the twinkling of an eye, right? Um, and then but, obviously those who are in shield get to be raised. But yeah. Which you see this exact same thing at the very end of Second Ezra 16. Uh, this is verse 74. And I'll just kind of just read it through the end. If you don't mind, I'm sorry. And then I'll be quiet for a while. Hear my elects. I just get really excited with the second Ezra. Sorry. Hear my elects, says the Lord. Behold, the days of tribulation are at hand, and I will deliver you from them. We see the same thing in Daniel 1. You know, it says, and at that time uh, will be the, the great trouble. And at that time, your people will be delivered. This is the very same thing. Verse 75, do not fear or doubt, for God is your guide. You who keep my commandments and precepts, says the Lord God. You see it once again. Do not let your sins pull you down or your iniquities prevail over you. Woe to those who are choked by their sins and overwhelmed by their iniquities as a field is choked with underbrush and its path overwhelmed with thorns so that no one can pass through. It is shut off and given up to be consumed by fire. Interesting yep. words. Yep. I'm actually, we're, I'm glad you read that. We were looking at that looking at 16 before we started the broadcast and I, I was wondering if we should read parts of that. So I'm glad you did. Hopefully I didn't steal any thunder. I'm sorry. I just, I guess oh. when it comes to second Ezra, I get like excited. I, there's, I don't know what it is about this book, brothers. It, it really captures my heart and my soul. You get, you get these hard questions that people ask, you know, like what about all the people that, you know, don't believe or never heard the gospel or whatnot. They're just going to be, you know, thrown in. listen, he says it somewhere in, in Ezra's. I I'm I'm still have a hard time memorizing chapters and verses, but you know, he's like, um, you know, he said, Let the multitude perish rather than the law of God be disregarded. For those that came into the world knew what they should have observed. They didn't observe it, and they even, you know, even said that God doesn't exist, you know. So it's like it's just how it is. Like, I'm sorry. It's just like when and I'm not like being haughty about it. I'm really that's why we're really trying to be long suffering with our brothers and sisters about 
keeping the commandments. They are very important to the Father. It's always been this way. I mean, I look at us as the exact same situation as the Israelites that came out of Egypt. They were freed from the house of bondage. We're freed from the house of sin, right? And we're in the wilderness. They're in the wilderness. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing. I think what you're, what you're referring to as far as not the, not the saints who are protected uh, from the wrath of the Lamb, but at this day of judgment, the, the rest of the world and all the things that go down and how they're um, basically receiving you know, the, the punishment that's being, you know, thrown out to, to everyone who rejected him and hated him. Yes. And there's a concept of, you know, there will be collateral damage. That's unfortunate. You know, we see, and how can there not be when you have verses like Revelation 16, 18, that tell us all the cities of the world are falling into, you know, crumbling because of this great earthquake. And that uh, Isaiah 30 verse 25 also mentions that this is the day all the towers fall. But then we also have Isaiah 13, 12, which he says, I will make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Because the, the numbers are literally being dwindled down. And that's why in Zechariah 14, we see, and also Isaiah 60, the, the survivors of the nations after the day of the Lord, they're all brought up to the city um, because there's not very many of them left. Out right. of and I don't know what those numbers are, to be honest with you. It, 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 if the numbers of the world are true and there's 7 billion people and, a lot of people don't make it. I don't know. I mean, still, if there's only what, if there's only 10 million left, that's still a lot of people out of 7 billion. It's still a lot of people to, to care for. Right. Yeah. Sean, I just, I just, and I want to um, make a comment here. We're going to be in second Ezra's um, we're jumping all over the place, guys. I love it. Love it. Seventh <laughs> chapter um, where it talks about for, uh, in starting verse 28 it says for my son, the Messiah shall be revealed with those who are with him. And those who remain shall rejoice. Sorry, sorry, shall rejoice for four hundred years. And after these years, my son the Messiah shall die, and all who draw human breath. And then we get these interesting couple of verses after it, which are a little enigmatic. But I think this actually lines up with what we're talking about right now. And it says, "And the world shall be turned back to primeval silence for seven days." So I'm, I'll, I'll I think that, that this is talking about this this, se this seven year tribulation period. I think the day is one year, in my opinion. And then it says, as it was at the first beginnings, so that no one shall be left. So what you were just talking about, Sean, the whole, like, there's going to be, like, practically no one left, right? Yahweh has to shorten the times in order for there to be anyone left type thing, right? Right, so, or else no flesh would be saved. Right, and then going into 30, verse 31, and after seven days, the world, which is not yet awake, shall be aroused, and that which is corruptible shall perish, and the earth shall give up those who are asleep in it, and the dust those who dwell silently in it, and the chamber shall give up the souls which have been committed to them. So that's referring to obviously the, re the resurrection. So in my opinion, this, this seven days of primeval silence is a seven-year period that we're talking about here already in Second Baruch and um, elsewhere. Yeah, interesting. I, I was trying to find it right here, but in, in, in Second Esdras, there's also another another passage that talks about in a, in, a, in a city, maybe like one or two people will be left, I, I think, in, in each city, something like that. It, it's really, really interesting. But yeah, I mean, you know, this lukewarm lukewarm gospel that is being preached and, and this other Jesus, in my opinion, is being preached, one that doesn't come back and bring, I mean, just bring absolute judgment. I mean, there's that part where he's just, his whole garment is soaked in and soaked in like red like it says like if he was treading the wine press of of, of grapes um isaiah 63 yeah i mean this that this is there's going to be some some things that people just are not prepared for and once again that's why diving into these books is so 
crucial to really understand what's what's going on. Yeah, if you if you let me, Adam, to just to give a little bit of a glimpse of the Messiah doing some things at his return. Uh, let's look at Psalm uh, 110, actually. Uh, I know most people use this to talk about his kingship or his priesthood, as I do very often. But if we keep reading the, the remaining verses four through seven in that uh, in that chapter, it's a little short chapter. I'll go to it real quick. But it um, I'm just waiting for my computer to, to load up the chapter here. It's amazing because it actually gives us an idea of what he's possibly doing. So if we read in like uh, verses four, the Lord has sworn him out, change his mind. You're a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse five says, the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief enemy, excuse me, shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So it's like after doing battle, he's thirsty and he needs to take a drink. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And I wonder if now this this isn't the um, slain of the great ones. This is actually after he's showed up. So this isn't exactly I, what the second group. I have to I have to read this in conjunction with that. Talking about just the the mightiness of Yeshua. Listen to this. This is Second Ezra thirteen. Uh, um, two Ezra thirteen. I'm gonna read four through. Well, we'll see. Uh, and whenever his voice issued from his mouth, all who heard his voice melted as wax. I'm sorry, melted as wax melts when it feels the fire. I'm like wow! After this, I looked, and behold, an innumerable multitude of men were gathered together from the four winds of heaven to make war against the man who came up out of the sea. And I looked, and behold, he carved out for himself a great mountain and flew upon it. We know what that mountain is. And I tried to see the region or place from which the mountain was carved, but I could not. After this, I looked, and behold, all who had gathered together against him to wage war with him were much afraid, yet dared to fight. Gosh, that's, that's interesting. And behold, when he saw the onrush of the ap approaching multitude, he neither lifted his hand nor held a spear or any weapon of war, but I saw only as how he sent forth from his mouth, as it were, a stream of fire, and from his lips a flaming breath, and from his tongue he shot forth a storm of sparks, all these were mingled together, the stream of fire and the flaming breath and the great storm, and fell on the onrushing multitude which was prepared to fight and burned them all up, so that suddenly nothing was seen of the innumerable multitude, but only the dust of ashes and the smell of smoke. When I saw it, I was amazed. And after this, I saw the same man come down from the mountain and call to him another multitude which was peaceable. Then many came to him, some whom were joyful and some sorrowful. Some of them were bound and some of them were bringing others as offerings. Then in, in great fear, I awoke and besought the Most High and said, From the beginning, thou hast shown thy servant these wonders and has deemed me worthy to have my prayer heard by thee. Which we, we later on, we, we see that the interpretation that that peaceable multitude, uh, it says specifically it's just the 10 tribes uh, which were, were um, uh, cast away. But I can, I can only imagine that. The other tribes would be involved too. I'm not sure why it specifically says that those are the, just the 10 tribes, but either way, I mean, just the, the fire and the sparks and like, wow, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not going to be part of that multitude. It makes sense as to why he would need to drink as Sean yes. read earlier, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. and, and to follow up what you just read, not just about the way he's, he's um, sh shooting fire and burning the enemy, but also how the people are reacting. We see this parallel in Zechariah 14 here in verse 12. It says, now this will be the plague which the Lord will strike all the peoples 
prophets who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets. Their tongue will rot in their mouth. It will come about in that day that a great panic from the Lord will fall on them. They will seize one another's hand, and the hand of one another will be lifted against the hand of another. Mm-hmm. And Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered, gold, silver, and garments in great abundance. So also like this plague will be the plague on the horses, the mule, the camel, the donkey, and all the cattle that will be in those camps. Wow. Sean, it reminds me of, um, because we know Yeshua is glorified into an Elohim status, spiritual status, uh, the angel Ramael, when he takes on those 185,000 Assyrians, and they they, they essentially just dissolve, their flesh dissolves, and the armor and all their battlements are still kept intact. Here we have Yeshua possibly using the same type of fire on these people. (laughs) Absolutely, brother. And it reminds me of of the days of the tabernacle, right? Um, where they um, just, there was they, the guys, Aaron's sons, and I think it was uh, Leviticus chapter nine, Aaron's sons offered the strange incense and then fire came out and consumed them. So it was just like, just like now they, they were, of course, I don't know if they were being maliciously defiant or if they were just ignorant about it, but they were doing things against the father, right? Against his basic instructions. And here at the culmination at the end of the times, we have men literally trying to kill his Messiah when he was returning and they just they also get fire from heaven brought down on them. We see this parallel in Revelation 20 as well, you know, at the end, end of the millennium. Um, anyone that tries to attack Jerusalem, fire comes down from heaven. And that brings up a question I had for you guys. Now, that passage I just read in, in Zechariah 14 that you that I paralleled from Second Ezra 13 that you read, Adam. Do you think that this great mountain is the new Jerusalem? Yes, that's what I was uh, when I was reading. I was like, well, you guys know what that is, in my opinion it's pretty clear that that's the mountain. Cause um, I was actually just reading it uh, today in Isaiah. Uh, is that, where is it in Isaiah? Um, talks about how he will stand upon that new Jerusalem and, and do all these same things. But yeah, it's pretty clear in my mind that that mountain cut without hands is new Jerusalem. I, I may be very wrong, but that I, that's just what. Therefore, from what I read in Zechariah 14, uh, are we to think that when it says here in verse 12, um, the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Are we to say that that's speaking about the Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven and not the one on the ground? Yeah, I, hmm. I, I, uh, I, I do believe that there's a separation between um, Psalm 2, what we're talking about right now, uh, the gathering together. That's, from my understanding, that destruction comes from those gathered against New Jerusalem. Um and, and which is different than the nations gathering around if the nations were to gather around uh, this secular state of, of Israel. Is that what you're talking about? Or, yeah. or maybe I have the question wrong. No, no, you're right. I'm just trying to see if that's the, because remember second Ezra calls the kingdom Jerusalem. That's promised for us. Right. And so I'm just wondering if that's where Zechariah's language is actually has been this whole time as he's been talking about the heavenly kingdom that is also called Jerusalem and these are what the nations are going to war against as it's as it's coming through the firmament. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that really ties into their whole their whole game plan because obviously, working with with Satan, they know they know essentially in, in part what's coming, and that's what this whole secular brainwashing program that is you know Hollywood that's brainwashing that you know whatever's what this outside threat, which in my opinion is going to be the kingdom that this outside threat, this alien threat is the kingdom coming. And that's why you have people that are like literally afraid, but they're still, you know, g- going to attack because they believe that they're doing the right thing because they've been so brainwashed that 
this outside entity coming in. That's why you look at, uh, you know, Avengers and all these different movies. It always shows the most high as the enemy or Yeshua as the enemy and, and, and coming into this land. Um, and that's how you get, you know, you always see the narrative, you know, Independence Day, all these movies. You see the narrative that the world comes together to get at this outside threat that, you know, it came from uh, Ronald Reagan, his famous speech at the UN years ago, you know, is all we need is just the right thing for this outside threat, you know, to, for us to realize how small our problems and differences are to gather together. This new world order is going to be all in, in, in opposition to them. Uh, so yeah, I definitely see, uh, this, this, um, this gathering, this destruction, this, um, uh, enemy encampment, which would be against uh, new Jerusalem when it's planted. Yeah, the, the thing that I have, um, the thing that I'm considering here is verse 2 of Zechariah 14, where it says, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. If, we're referring, if we think this might be the new Jerusalem, then it doesn't really make sense what happens after it. It says, And the city will be captured, the houses mm -hmm. plundered, and the women ravished, and half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. So that can't, in my opinion, that can't be new Jerusalem. That has to be what's there right now. All the nations gather to to do that to that nation before this takes place unless that has something to do with uh the outer courts you remember how it says the the outer courts would be tr uh trodden upon by gentile by the gentiles for 42 months i don't know maybe i have that completely wrong i don't know that's a good that's a that's a good point yeah you good catch ken you're absolutely right man you're right you're right and that's also why i think in verse four it talks about the um Mount of Olives being split, that could be the large earthquake that happens at the return of the Lord as well. Um, now, we already know, I think it's in Zephaniah. I, can't, I don't have the verse off the top of my head, but we already know that the land-based Jerusalem will be attacked and burned, and there's, there's, there's nations that will come against it. So you're absolutely right. That That's, uh, that's yeah. something fine. I just wonder if there's any distinction at all because you have – Zachary, you know, prophets like Ezra just calling the kingdom of God Jerusalem and not calling it the new Jerusalem. Yeah. You know? And it yeah, just, Sean, we see that too in, in like second Baruch, right? Where we see um, Baruch calling the ground based Jerusalem, the terrestrial based Jerusalem mother, right? Mm -hmm. And we just like Paul says, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem is mother as well, mother above. Yeah, so we have the same, well. it's hard to delineate between which, which ones are they talking about here, right? Yeah. Right. You're right. And, 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 you know, for a lot of things, there's a heavenly understanding and an earthly understanding. And, and I think in this case, you're right. I think there, I think Ken, that was a really good catch. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, I think what's so amazing, what you're saying, Adam, as far as why the nations would be deceived and think that, Oh my goodness, we've got this extraterrestrial threat coming through the sky, you know, descending up on the earth and we have to fight against it and all rally together. Um, is simply because the, the world has been indoctrinated to believe that they're living on a ball in space when that's not what the Bible describes at all. You know, if they knew what the Bible actually described, that we're inside of an enclosed structure that has a roof to this place called a firmament, then they would realize that, oh my goodness, we've been created and he's actually above us, as the Bible says. So, so thankful to our Heavenly Father for allowing us to see this. What an amazing lens to be able to see Scripture properly, just like Genesis 6. It's like a, a you know, understanding that the Nephilim or the, you know, the, the fallen ones really did come down. There was really giants. It's like a lens to be able to interpret Scripture. Uh, the, the shape of the earth is, is also very important for this. And, you know, again, none of these things slip the mind of the Most High. Like, oh, you got me. You know, you, 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 uh, 
you're teaching heliocentrism. All this is obviously preparing for these last days, for all the deceptions, the apostasy. It's all had to happen, and that's why we have to be so thankful for our Heavenly Father and never allow any of, of us to get haughty about what we know or high-minded about what we know because it's only by His grace and His mercy that we're able to see this because we know we try to share this with, with very brilliant people that there's just like this veil. They're like, no, yeah. I don't see it. Like I just don't see it. It's 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 up to the Father who He turns on the light bulb for and who not. So so thankful that He allowed us to have this lens, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely, brother. And you know, actually, I was um, Adam when you were reading that that passage out of Second Ezra's where it talks about the um, the Messiah going up to that mountain that's cut out without hands. That rang in my head what Daniel saw with the vision um, of the um, the statue. And then the stone that's cut out without hands. So it's the same verbiage, really, mm -hmm. of referring to the mountain or this rock that is this coming kingdom of God that destroys it all, right? Right. Yeah. Which is another interesting little parallel to like this, this you know, right. verbiage of, of this mountain or the stone that, that is cut out without hands. And we know that the Father is the one who's the architect of this city, right? Of this coming right. mountain. Which which at the beginning of Baruch, we get that confirmation that it's New Jerusalem. He's like, do you think this is the city that I said on the palms of my hands I have carved it out or, 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 or created it? And so that just immediately makes me think of, of New Jerusalem when I think about this mountain that's, that's carved without hands. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. I can't remember um, where it is in Isaiah. I literally read it this morning, I thought, or maybe it was yesterday. But it talks about Yeshua standing on top uh, of Zion, which will be set upon above all the mountains. Or the highest mountain. I can't remember. Maybe I'll just I'll do a quick word search while you guys are, are going. But I, I just thought it was such an interesting connection. Yeah, for sure. Um, Sean, I don't know if you have anything else to comment on with regards to what we just talked about, but um, we read already in Second Ezra's chapter fourteen, the verses eleven, twelve, where it says, "For the age is divided into twelve parts, and nine of its parts have already passed, as well as half of the tenth part." so two of its parts remain besides half of the 10th part. And just for the viewers watching who maybe, you know, when we read that earlier, was like, what is that even, what is that talking about? Um, from how I understand this, and I could be wrong, the, the age that's divided into 12 parts and him saying that nine of its parts have already passed, that means up to his point, this being Ezra, nine of those parts already passed, as well as half of the 10th. So the 10th is one whole, right? So we have the 10 and a half parts already fulfilled up in Ezra's day. And then, and then it says, so two of its parts remain besides half of the 10th part. So then we have the other half of the 10th and then the two parts after, which would make the whole 12. So we have two and a half parts for, if my math is correct here, we have two and a half parts that still remain from the time of Ezra until the end of days. So yet again, we have this time denomination that we have to kind of, you know, put into this, you know, um, order of operations here with the timelines and everything, right? On top of everything we just discussed with the 12 ages and one age is 100 years and then we have the 10 plagues that are in the seven years, you know what I mean? Like there's just so much to consider. We, we really should be uh, looking at a timeline and, and doing a hard copy of this so we're not confusing people. <laughs> and all of this falls on the last week of Daniel, right? Yeah, exactly. The last seven year period, is that what we're suggesting? Yeah, that's how I see it. And then do we do we also include the the bright waters the 12th bright waters from second brook as well 
Yeah, yeah, we'll have to go over to that as well because so, I mean, viewer, we just want to. I know that we've we've kind of segued on some other topics, and because we're we get excited discussing the return of the, of the Messiah and all the things leading up to it. And one of these, the things that we're trying to solidify for you here is we've got multiple books, um, both from the Canon of sixty six as well as apocryphal books that we're trying to line up their prophecies and see if they line up their prophecies about these end times and all these these. Uh, basically cataclysmic events that are going to befall the earth, which I think we all would agree this is considered the time of tribulation that is mentioned in, in Matthew and in Revelation. And so um, if do you guys want to read uh, Second Baruch about the, the, the bright 12th waters, which yeah. seems to be at the end of this process, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I can read, Sean. I think we'll start in chapter 53. That gives kind of uh, Baruch, just the actual vision with the 12 waters itself. So that's just gives us some context here. And then several chapters go over what each of the black and the bright waters mean. And we won't have to do that because ultimately we want to see what's been fulfilled up to the, you know, Baruch's time and then what really remains and what's relevant for us today. So I'll just read um, chapter 53 right now just to provide some context as to what we're talking about with these waters. And it says, and when I had said these things, I fell asleep there, and I saw a vision, and lo, a cloud was ascending from a very great sea, and I kept gazing upon it, and lo, it was full of waters, white and black, and there were many colors in those selfsame waters, and as it were, the likeness of great lightning was seen at its summit, and I saw the cloud passing swiftly in quick courses, and it covered all the earth, and it came to pass after these things that that cloud began to pour upon the earth the waters that were in it. And I saw that there were, sorry, and I saw that there was not one and the same likeness in the waters which descended from it. For in the first beginning, they were black and many, or a time, and afterwards I saw that the waters became bright, but they were not many. And after these things, again, I saw black waters. And after these things, again, bright, and again, black, and again, bright. Now this was done 12 times, but the black were always more numerous than the bright. And it came to pass at the end of the cloud that lo, it rained black waters and they were darker than had been all those waters that were before and fire was mingled with them. And where those waters descended, they wrought devastation and destruction. And after these things, I saw how that lightning, which I had seen on the summit of the cloud, seized hold of it and hurled it to the earth. Now that lightning shone exceedingly so as to illuminate the whole earth and it healed those regions where the last waters had escaped had descended and wrought devastation. And it took hold of the whole earth and had dominion over it. And I saw after these things, and lo, twelve rivers were ascending from the sea, and they began to surround that lightning and to become subject to it. And by reason of my fear, I awoke. So there we go. We got the, the vision of the twelve uh, white and black waters. And then we can discuss possibly, I guess, the end ones, right? The last ones that are that go online with what we've been talking about with with all this end time prophecy because many of the waters if i'm recalling correctly all the way up till like the 12th water have already been fulfilled and he goes through all the different ages starting with adam onto the mm -hmm. flood onto like you know like sinai and, and onward and onward right we don't have to go through that i don't think but you know we we consistently see we, through apocalypse of abraham esdras um and uh and baruch we're seeing we're seeing these numbers repeat we're seeing 10 and we're seeing 12 over and over and you know to add to that soup of of interesting things that they collaborate together uh, i don't want to get off the bright waters dark waters but it just reminded me of 
while you were reading, it totally reminded me of uh, Enoch and the 10 weeks, you know, where it starts off, I, Enoch, was born in the first week when righteousness still endured. And it goes on all the way through the 10 weeks. Uh, and, and again, once it just describes history going through the weeks, um, it just, I don't know. It just, I love how all these books, that's how you just know that these are Holy Spirit breathed because they do connect together. They don't have contradictions. You know, we've seen, you know, little things here and there with some of these books where like the, the story of someone's death is a little bit different on this book than that book. But the overall narrative, it's the same thing every time. Yeah, brother. We, <laughs> yeah, we, I'm, yeah, you're exactly right. Enoch is also weighing in on this in his own way. And we just didn't even want to, like, so much. We, I know. <laughs> we didn't get to that part of Enoch when we were breaking down because I think we stopped at what, chapter 60 of Enoch? Yeah. Um, episodes. But yeah, we're going to go back to Enoch and revisit the latter portions of, of the, the collection called the First Book of Enoch. And I think that it's it's just amazing how he even in his own way goes into these same concepts that we're talking about. And all these prophets are trying to tell us these things, you know, and and while we're doing our best this episode to try to encapsulate some of this message for you. Um, honestly, guys, these prophecies, they could be an entire season to themselves. Yeah. Breaking them all down, comparing them all. Um, and, you know, if you guys want to make want to see that happen just click like share and subscribe <laughs> you gotta help us get the word out help us get more of an audience so that we can have the ability to do this more often um and that's that's the heart of it but you know real quick ken if you'd like do you want me to read uh, chapter 70 of second brook where he discusses the black waters before they become white yeah i would even say sean start in 69 it's short enough and it, it gives us even yeah. a little bit more context there and so this is going to be the last waters out of the 12 that he saw the bright, the black that became bright, this will be the last ones. And that way we'll just get, this should be what we've been reading about the end of the age. So in chapter 69, it says, for the last waters which you've seen, which were darker than all that were before them, those which were after the 12th number, which were collected together, belong to the whole world. For the Most High made division from the beginning, because he alone knows what will befall. For as to the enormities and the impieties which should be wrought before him, he foresaw six kinds of them. And the good works of the righteous, which should be accomplished before him, he foresaw six kinds of them. Beyond those which he should work at the consummation of the age, on his account, there were not black waters with, with black, nor bright with bright, for it is the consummation. Here, therefore, this is in chapter 70. Here, therefore, the interpretation of the last black waters, which are to come after the black. This is the, this is the word. Behold, the day is come, and it shall be when the time of the age has ripened. And the harvest of its evil and good seeds has come, that the mighty one will bring upon the earth and its inhabitants and upon its rulers perturbation of spirit and stupor of heart, and they shall hate one another and provoke one another to fight. And the mean shall rule over the honorable, and those of low degree shall be extolled above the famous, and the many shall be delivered in the hands of the few, and those who are nothing shall rule over the strong, and the poor shall have abundance beyond the rich, and the impious shall exalt themselves above the heroic. And the wise shall be silent, and the foolish, the foolish shall speak. Neither shall the thought of men be then confirmed, nor the counsel of the mighty, nor shall the hope of those who hope be confirmed. And when those things which were predicted have come to pass, then shall the confusion fall upon all men, and some of them shall fall in battle, and some of them shall perish in anguish, and some of them shall be destroyed by their own. Then the most high peoples whom he has prepared before, and they shall come and make war with the leaders that shall then be left. And it shall come to pass that whoever gets safe out of the war shall die in the earthquake. And whoever gets safe out of the earthquake shall be burned by the fire. And whoever gets safe out of the fire shall be destroyed by famine. And it shall come to pass that whoever of the victors and the vanquished gets safe out of 
and escapes all these things aforesaid will be delivered into the hands of my servant Messiah, for all the earth shall devour its inhabitants. <laughs> wow. wow. Wow, wow, wow. There's a lot there. Wow. So, I, through a sequence of events, we now start to realize what Isaiah is talking about, that he will make men more scarce than gold, even the gold of Ophir. Yep. If you don't mind, I really would like to just read just the last few weeks of that Enoch prophecy, if you don't mind. We don't have to go through the whole thing because it's long, but it That's really fine. just ties right into what you were just reading. Do you mind? No, go ahead, brother. Okay, so this is Enoch. Um, I'm going to start at, let's see, what, I mean, what chapter is this? This is uh, <clears throat> Roman numeral XC3, XCIII. <laughs> Yeah, 93. There you go. Thank you. I'm still horrible with my Roman numerals. I read uh, Enoch on sacred text a lot. Okay. Um, so we'll start at verse 9, which is the seventh week. And after that, in the seventh week shall an apostate generation arise, and many shall, its, sh many shall be its deeds, and all its deeds shall be apostate. And at its close shall be elected the elect righteous of the eternal plant of righteousness to receive sevenfold instruction concerning all his creation. Really interesting, just the verbiage in this. The only other place I've seen this eternal plant of righteousness, we see that um, in, we actually read this the other day, Sean, uh, in the Ascension of Isaiah, the vision of Isaiah, talking about the plant that the 12 apostles had planted. Anyways, really interesting. I had never made that connection until just now. Yeah, it's also in Jubilees, brother. Oh, is it? Okay. Another book I'm not as, as familiar with. I, I need to be more familiar with that. Thank you for that. Um, for, uh, verse, uh, verse 11. For who is there of all the children of men that is able to hear the voice of the Holy One without being troubled? And who can think his thoughts? And who is there that can behold all the works of heaven? And how should there be one who could behold the heaven? And who is there that could understand the things of heaven and see a soul or a spirit or could tell thereof or ascend and see all their ends and think or do like them? And who is there of all men that could know what is the breadth and the length of the earth? And to whom has been shown the measure of all them? Or is there anyone who could discern the length of heaven and how great is its height and upon what it is founded and how great is the number of the stars and where all the luminaries rest? And after, all, and after that, there shall be another, the eighth week, that of righteousness, and a sword shall be given to it that a righteous judgment may be executed on the oppressors and sinners shall be delivered into the hands of the righteous. And at its close, they shall acquire houses through their righteousness, and a house shall be built for the great king in glory forevermore, and all mankind shall look upon look to the path of uprightness. Hallelujah. We know where that is too. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I had to read that. I just thought it was so just hand in hand with what you just read. Um with the, the end of Baruch. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, it is. And and what you're reading was the seventh and eighth week, which seems to be the culmination of the 10 plagues of apocalypse of Abraham. And then also the 12th bright waters of Baruch. Right. And also the 12th part that Ezra's mentions. Yeah. Right. So we got these different segments of time, all talking about the same events yet Enoch and his 10 segments, as you read the seventh and eighth one, which is the return of the Messiah. That means the ninth and the 10th go on through the millennial reign. Would that would be what we would suggest. Yes. Yeah, I just I cut it off for time's sake, but yeah, that's I, I agree. Yeah. Since, since this is our our um, finale episode of season one, and, and we've been trying to systematically go through individual books one episode at a time, but as you can see with this episode, we're just having a ball, right? We're just having fun. We're just realizing, we're just showing the viewer how all these have 
so many similarities with each other and line up so wonderfully. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up, Adam, because what you just read from Enoch, not only does that particular segment within his breakdown of a large scale of time match what we've seen in Apocalypse of Abraham, Baruch, and Ezra, if I may, let's go real quick to Jubilees, and I'll show you how all those segments of time were revealed to Jacob himself. All right, so um, this is going to be Jubilees 32, and then it looks here at verse 20. He says, and, and this is Jacob that's talking about, he saw in a vision of the night, and behold, an angel descended from heaven with seven tablets in his hands. He gave them to Jacob, and he read them and knew all that was written therein, which would befall him and his sons throughout all the ages. And he showed him all that was written on the tablets and said to him, do not build this place. Do not make it an eternal sanctuary. Do not dwell here, for this is not the place. Go to the house of Abraham, your father, and dwell with Isaac, your father, until the day of the death of your father. For in Egypt you shall die in peace, and in this land you shall be buried with honor in the sepulcher of your fathers with Abraham and Isaac. Fear not, for as you've seen and read it, thus shall it shall be. And do write down everything you've seen and read. And Jacob said, Lord, how can I remember all that I've seen and read? And he said unto him, I will bring all things to your remembrance. And he went up from him, and he spoke, and he awoke from his sleep. And he remembered everything which he'd read and seen, and he wrote down all the words which he'd read and seen. And he celebrated there yet another day, and he sacrificed thereon according to all that he'd sacrificed on the former days, and called its name addition. For this day was added in the former day he called the feast. Now, the, guys, the reason why I read this is because this moment here, if we see the, the previous context of this chapter, he's celebrating the feast that it's mentioning is the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is actually where we get an introduction to the, to the concept of the Feast of Ingathering. And we see in Exodus 24, Numbers 29, which is the day of addition. This is where this came from, that celebration on the eighth day at the end of Sukkot. And he did that because he was given these tablets and saw everything that would happen throughout all of time. And I think that's amazing. And what, we, and what that, you know, in my opinion, that eighth day addition feast actually symbolizes the millennial reign. Mm -hmm. and, and time period after that. So I think that's wonderful. But what's so fascinating is, as we read up here in verse 22, the angel tells him, do not make this place a sanctuary. Do not dwell here, for this is not the place. So yeah. he's seen the sanctuary of God, the new Jerusalem to come down because he's seeing everything that's going to befall him and his sons that happens throughout all the ages. And, and I guess the angel's trying to head off his excitement and saying, wait, you're not the guy to build this place. <laughs> place. Don't worry about it. You just go to Egypt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> he's, Jacob's, you know, he's ready to go, bro. He's, he just saw everything. Yeah. And so what I love about this is we get what we're discussing on this show is, is we got Baruch, we got Abraham, we got Enoch, we got Ezra. We even got Jacob. They're being shown all these things throughout the whole. And these are these are people that have propagated the faith. They're prophets, there's priests, there's scribes, and they're encouraging us in our faith so that we can be aware and of what's coming in the future, just as the father encouraged them and told them what was coming in the future so that this is not something that these guys were running around with blind faith. As we use that term today, they knew everything. The father showed them his business because he loved them and they were walking in his commandments. And this is what I want to encourage the viewer to be aware of. As we go through these things, this is precious information that was earned through the obedience of people that came before us. And they mm -hmm. gave it to this because the father trusted them with this information to pass on to everyone who believes in faith and obedience as a part of yep. Israel. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. I like, I really love the, uh, the part where Jacob's like, how am I going to write all this down? And then the angel's like, well, I'll, I'll make sure like to cause everything to your remembrance. Right. And it just reminded me of John 
1426 where she was talking to his disciples and he's like, but the helper, the Holy spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So once again, we just have this like feel of like the Holy spirit, God's words coming into remembrance through, you know, the helper, the comforter. And then it's the angels doing that for Jacob there, right? Like I'm going to help you kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, this is a fascinating little, I, I agree. And I actually see this parallel in a couple places. Um, you know, in Proverbs 16, it says the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So it's like he, and then in verse three, it says, commit thy works into the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. So it's like, again, remember what I was saying earlier, and maybe, maybe this was off air time, but how, you know, it's up to the father who gets the knowledge and who doesn't, you know, it, who he, he veils, who he veils and he reveals to who he reveals to. But in going back to, um, uh, you know, the, his, uh, his, um, his memory being retained from that, from that whole vision. Well, it's in second Ezra's too, uh, chapter 14 yes. and, uh, verse 37. So I took the five men and he commanded me and we proceeded to the field and remained there. And on the next day, behold, a voice called to me saying, Ezra, open your mouth and drink what I give to you. And then I opened my mouth and behold, a full cup was offered to me. It was full of something like water, but its color was like fire. And I took it and drank. And when I had drunk it, my heart poured forth understanding and wisdom increased my breast for my spirit retained its memory. So the Holy spirit is what allows these things to be recollected, you know, to, yeah. to just pop into your mind or, or, or to be written down on paper. So it's the very same thing. Yeah, brother, that's amazing that you bring that up. Because um, when I read that recently, what you just had read, um, it reminded me of the moment in Acts where those who are gathering, waiting for the helper to come, it comes in tongues of fire, appeared as tongues of fire. Yes. yes. So we have the same type of verbiage here where he's drinking up this cup that looks like fire in a way, right? right? So it's right. just very interesting. Right. And again, this is what's so, it's such an honor to search these things out. It's like a, it's literally like a treasure chest. Yeah. It is going through scripture and connecting this and connecting that, which we're not doing in our own power, but only the Holy Spirit can help us do these things. You know, it's just amazing to just see all these connections everywhere. It's such a joy. It really is. I, I, I don't know anything else I'd rather be focused on in my entire life. Honestly, Amen. it just brings a smile to my face. It really does. Yeah. That's why we're, we're thankful that you wanted to come on with us because we share that heart and that passion. This is just so much fun that we get to dig through these books and just line stuff up and, because it just it strengthens your faith, it gives you clarity. And um, especially for me, I grew up in a situation where I went to multiple different types of churches and you see the lack of clarity everywhere because they all have a different slant on the scriptures and no one really knows what this means or that means. And there's so much confusion happening. And the average person sitting in the pew, they can't tell you what's in the Bible anyway. They just know John 3.16, you know? And so it's just like to, to get to a place where you can have straight up comprehension about these big topics and the whole narrative of the book itself and be able to communicate that not only does it put you in a place of strength in your own faith but it's easier to share and pass on your faith to others you guys Amen. should see the conversations i get to have with agnostics and atheists when i explain to them these big component pieces of the scriptures and they realize i'm not talking like a zealot that i'm explaining logical concepts to them in a storyline. And I always tell them, look, if you don't believe the story, that's up to you. But at least let me let you tell, let me tell you the story where it makes sense because the story itself does make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't require you just to believe because even though you don't understand something, like father explained everything so that you can understand it. 
then it's up it's between you and him whether you want to believe it or not and the reaction is not is not bad it's an easy conversation it reminds me of what we see in in acts where paul goes every saturday into the courtyards and the amongst the greeks and reasons with them yeah he's not he's not doing a a, like he says in second corinthians he doesn't have persuasive speech he's not some great orator that can just overpower people and convince them with with his grandeur of speaking no he was just telling them the gospel of the kingdom of god as it's portrayed throughout all these prophets and reasoning with them because it's all very logical stuff you know and you're right as far as just you know the just utter confusion out there i mean just even the think about this the simplicity of uh, the lord's prayer thy kingdom come most people have no idea what that means and so diving into these scriptures really at least just lets us know um you know what's coming but if not again if nothing else you don't have to be a scholar to be saved and, and to be a, a part of all this but again even even that the, i think these hidden books if nothing else explain the importance of loving god loving people keeping his commandments simple you can be you can be very simple very 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 simple person just keeping his commandments and and you know here you are yeah but amen amen and sean i would say that's first peter three fifteen, right but sanctify christ as lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence right. so we need to have an answer right and we're doing that we're building what's called our apologetics here for those who are atheists agnostics believers alike whoever the whole purpose of doing this is as we get washed by the water of the word we can see the storyline for what it is and and disseminate that information of the storyline accurately so then as sean said then it's up to the whoever to either believe it or not but at least we're giving them an accurate depiction of what the book actually says and so that's part of of what i believe peter's saying there is that you need to you need to have a ready answer for those who are going to ask you these big questions and so Right. Thankfully, we have these books that we're, we've been talking about today that, that provide us with some of the answers that some may have questions for. Amen. And like you said the other day, Sean, um, I think you made a meme out of it, but go figure. The one book that tells us there's more books to read was taken out of Scripture yeah. in, in that in Second Ezra 14, you know, as we've been pulling from quite a bit today. But yeah, at, at the end there, it says, you know, it's really interesting. Um, different versions have different things. Some versions say, Ezra restored 204 scriptures, uh, 204 books, and uh, other other versions say 94 books. So either way, there's a ton more books than than what we've been privy to. So uh, once again, it's the honor of kings to search these matters out. And it's like again, it's been such a pleasure being on here with you guys. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is. But you know, one thing we we didn't really even mention, which really ties all this together, is the the Olivet discourse. I mean. Yeshua goes through all these things, you know, uh, the, 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 the beginning of sorrows and uh, famines and, and, and um, um, you know, the, the great earthquake and um, the pestilence and, and death. And it's all there. It's all there. And he kind of just, you know, summarizes these things. Uh, okay. Nations rising against nations, kingdom against kingdoms. Um, yeah, you're, wow. you're exactly right, man. That's it's all there. Yeah, because uh, we, we talk about nation against nation, uh, both in Apocalypse of Abraham and Zechariah. Uh, we talk about um, the famines, earthquakes, and those things. We, we read about those in the second Baruch, chapters 24 to 28. And uh, absolutely, man, it's he's basically given a summation of all mm-hmm. the stuff that he would have had access to read, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, right. I think he had yeah. access to read it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, brother, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on this this last episode. It's been really fun, you guys. I mean, we could go probably for hours doing this and hopefully the you, the viewer that's been watching, thank you for, for joining us. Hopefully we weren't hopscotching too much. It's just, there's so much to cover and we tried to cover a lot of the, um, you know, the bigger pieces in these uh, hidden books, but uh, we hope that you enjoyed this, this discussion and that you'll join us for season two, where Sean and I are going to go into greater detail and in, in perhaps in some of these prophetic uh, scriptures that we already brought up today. And definitely we'll be seeing other books as well. So please, if you enjoyed this first season, visit us again for uh, season two. Yeah, guys, get ready. Season two. I'm, I'm, I know many of you wanted us to look into Jubilees. We will jump into Jubilees in season two, as well as the book of Ezra, second uh, Ezra. And then um, also the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, in addition to things like Tobit, and um, and so I'm just there's so many things that uh, we we want to get to, and we're just we're we're excited to start filming for that for next year. So we're just excited. Really cool. Well, you guys are gonna have to let me know when you get ready to do the Twelve Patriarchs because on my list of videos to do is I want to give people an introduction to these videos, uh, kind of a why you should read these, and then when you guys do your like full diving in, I can I can you know have links for that so that people people want to go dig further into them and, and dissect it line by line. Then I'm gonna refer them to you. But yeah, it's been put on my heart to just show the people, hey, these books are true. They're Holy Spirit breathed. There's no contradictions. There's so much amazing nuggets. Here's a few nuggets here and there. Read them for yourself, and then you know I'll I'll be able to refer them over to you guys. So that would be fun. But, uh, anyways, it's it's awesome. been awesome joining you guys here on this last episode. Thank you for for allowing me on here. And we're gonna have to do the same for Road to Rescue. I'm I'm gonna have to jump on with you guys eventually. But um, and even uh, Adam, even your shirts you're wearing today, Christian Truthers. We we're, we're trying to coordinate with Justin Best. Um, so that we can get him on to talk about his documentary that he did about how the West was lost and about the, the process of how we got our American canon of 66. Because to the viewer, you know, we've been discussing this whole season about why we're taking these apocryphal books. And the word apocrypha just means hidden, hence the, the subtitle of the show, Testing the Hidden Books of the Bible, and how we're taking these books and trying to line them up against the American canon of 66, which is the Bible that most of us have in our homes today. But that's not been the same collection of books that we had just as early as 140 years ago. And that's what Justin Best with Christian Truthers did a great video breaking down that process and how we receive the Bible that most people have today. You'd be surprised exactly how that went down and who decided which books to take out. So we really want to have him on next next year uh, so that we can give the viewer kind of a, a scholarly um, academic breakdown, whereas most of the stuff we're doing, like we did with you today, Adam, is just more of a content analysis, right? We're looking at the, what the books actually say and pairing them up with the canon. But we're going to actually jump into the historicity of how we got the canon next season in, in season two of Honor of Kings. We're really excited about it. So awesome. you guys, anything you'd like to say in conclusion? No, I just, I had a great time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, if y'all wills, future episodes and uh guys we just ask that you would pray for us pray for this ministry this channel and uh parable vineyard channel christian truthers channel my hanging on the words channel and obviously here in king and context um you wouldn't mind that we could continue doing this um free from persecution and and from being unplugged and uh that we could just yeah get the, the word out and get people excited for what the father has in store for them amen um, just in closing, you know, just like we've been saying, it's, it's really is an honor to test these books and really, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure to test them alongside you brothers. But, um, 
you know, don't take our word for it. Read it for yourself. We have the Holy Spirit within us. That's that's our teacher. And 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 test these books for yourself. And and I, I believe you'll see the same things. But you know, if if nothing else, the the hour is late. This is a time to be praying for the Father's will for each and every one of us in our lives, and knowing that He has a duty for each and every one of us. Could be small, could be big. Doesn't you know? That's up to the Father to decide. But um, and just thinking of the parable of the talents, you know, we're all given some sort of measure, uh, and you know, this is a time to to use that measure wisely. So continue to seek the Father daily. Ask Him what His will is for you, and um, just make that your your priority and your goal. And you know, we want to talk about faith. What is it? Uh, is it Hebrews 11, the hall, the hall of faith? Is it? Yeah. yeah. So that's a good chapter to read to, to see how we can put our faith to action, which is uh, really where, where the Father wants us. So, brothers, I love you very much. Thank you for, for bringing me on here. It's It really was an honor of Kings to uh, to dissect these uh, these books. And I'm sorry if we jumped around a lot, but I, I just I felt led in certain areas. So forgive me. Yeah. Forgive me, brothers, and forgive me, listeners, uh, for, for jumping around so much. But hopefully uh, it made sense. Well, this this is fine. I mean, we would do this every episode if we could. So, but we just, <laughs> for the sake of uh, all the different personality types out there, we we try to stick to one book. But we we kind of switched it up in the last four or five weeks, where we were letting one book lead us to another because we realize after studying these things, all of them blend together, as you saw in this episode tonight. You know that that as all the three of us just constantly remember. Oh wait, this book talks about the same thing here and there and here and there. And so that's just the beauty of our father's word disseminated to all these different prophets, because essentially it's the same message that he's just repeating to each new generation time and time again. And now we here at the end of the end of the age, near the consummation of the times, we have all that work to, to draw from and to glean from, to study, to read and to learn. And it's just such a privilege. And um, again, thank you guys. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. As always, Ken, thank you for joining me. Guys, go subscribe to Hanging on His Words. It's Ken's channel. Um, show him some love. He's got some amazing videos on there. Also, if you're not a, uh, already a subscriber to Parable of the Vineyard, go subscribe there because they they do a wonderful weekly broadcast and he puts out some amazing videos breaking down the end times and prophecy. Um, so just check out Adam's channel, Parable of the Vineyard. And as always, come back and see us next year. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. Shalom. See you.